Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some Wine and Chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the Chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. All right. Okay, 210. Hey guys, it's Natasha with Notania 210 Podcast. Thanks to VOD Pod Media and Latina Podcast Network. And I am here with a special guest. Please introduce yourself. Jose Redondo, a.k.a. Sports Guy, a.k.a. your tia's favorite reporter, <laughs> a.k.a. Course. your tia's favorite Emmy award-winning reporter. Yes. Okay, first of all, two snaps for the Emmy. <laughs> Let's go. Yes, congratulations on that. Thank you. So, yeah, it's funny because I don't bring just like anybody on here, right? It's always somebody that has something to do with the community in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So this podcast is about what it's like to be a journalist in San Antonio. And so since Jose has had newspaper and TV experience, he's like, I'm the only guest you need. <laughs> That's exactly what I said, too. Literally, I have receipts. So, <laughs> so here we are. So, okay, break it down. How long have you been in journalism? How did it start? All of that. How did it start? I love telling this story because um, I get to talk about my uncle. Uh, I had left the West Side in about, what was it 2007? My mom was sick. So my uncle, who was this like real estate guru, took us in. He was my mom's brother-in-law. So I had wrote a story about this part of my life. So I called myself the Mexican Fresh Prince because he was my mom's brother-in-law. <laughs> and when, like he'd always teach me life lessons, whether it be organizing sodas into an ice chest properly you know okay. like i used to be just throw them in there and i remember one day he's just like hey next time i ask you to do something you do it right i'm like who does this guy think he is like you're not even my blood and so it's just little things like that how to sit at a table when you're on a date with a woman just, just those little things and he just kind of like mowed me along the way and one day he asked me when i was 13 when you're 13 you're not thinking about what you want to do with your life you think about the cartoons you're gonna watch the game you're gonna watch you know just little things like that and so I didn't know how to answer it and he's like well not to crush your dreams but you're probably gonna be five seven forever oh. <laughs> so eliminate athlete I was like damn fool like I, I thought I was at least gonna play like d2 for like track or something and so we came to the conclusion combine your passion for for writing and sports and he said why don't you be a journalist what the hell is a journalist? Like, I'm from the West Side. I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. He's like, basically a reporter. Oh, okay. How do you do that? And he's like, well, you go to school, get internships, pay your dues, probably go to a place you don't want to, and then you use that, get the job you want. Okay, cool. And so the seed was planted. I moved back to the West Side. I'm going to schools that don't have journalism programs. Then my mom dies. June 19th, 2010, worst day of my life. And so from there, I leave. I go to your alma mater, Lee. Mm -hmm. And so I asked my sister who I was living with, I was like, hey, ask him if they have journalism. Turns out Lee had the best program in the state. You're third best in the nation. <laughs> Shout out Miss Brenda Sladen. Um, she says she created a monster. 
that school year, my sophomore year, when I was supposed to be grieving, right, grieving my mom's death, which I did, um, I wrote 50 stories, 5-0. I don't even think I've written 50 stories since then. Oh, for TV, yes, but, like, just writing for, like, the newspaper, I have not done that. Yeah. Um, but it was just, I mean, I figured out what I wanted to do, and then from there it's just, you know, go to SAC, best newspaper, college newspaper in the city, without a doubt. Uh, from there, trans, uh, transferred to A&M San Antonio, still doing internships for Spectrum, La Prensa, um, Follow Media, which is a nonprofit that focused on inequality in San Antonio, which is a major issue in the city. Mm-hmm. And then um, graduated, paid my dues as a freelancer for the Express News, covering sports and community stuff, which was unheard of at the time, because if you freelance, you either do one thing and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so... I was lucky to have mentors that opened doors for me and like, hey, you can do both. Mm-hmm. And then I got the call, December 2019. No, no, lying. October 2019. Hey, we're looking for a full-time TV reporter who can tell compelling stories. If you're interested, apply. I thought it was a joke. Yeah. So I called my now colleague, John Salazar, who works in the Valley. I said, like, hey, fool, is this legit? He's <laughs> like, yeah, man. He's like, we need you. When he said that, someone who I, I view as one of my mentors, he said, we need you. We need your voice. And I was like, all right. I've never applied for a job so quickly in my life. So here I am. That's like the the rushed version. We can dive into it later, but that was just kind of like how it happened. It was my Theo, who unfortunately passed away last year in January. Um, but Sorry. yeah, I, I owe that guy everything. I mean, he he was um, he was the father that I needed that I that I mm-hmm. didn't have. You know, my my biological father was there, but he was very old school Mexicano from Mexico. In his head, it's like, all right, I provide, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know. And so um, not to, like, talk bad about him, but it's just, like, just because someone's physically there doesn't mean they're there. Facts. That makes sense. Yeah. But, no, yeah. it makes a ton of sense. So what were any of the issues or adversities that you faced being a young Latino from the West Side coming into journalism here in San Antonio? I think being in spaces where people don't look like me, it was very intimidating. I never, I mean, first, I'm, just, I'm an insecure person to begin with. Not insecure in the sense where, like, I know... I'm gifted, I'm talented, but when you're put in certain spaces and you're just like, oh man, like they went to this school or they went to that school, you're mm-hmm. kind of like, Ooh, like who am I to be in this space with them? And and so luckily, you know, because I had to grow up quickly, I had to put myself in those spaces and I had to be uncomfortable, right? Being comfortable, being uncomfortable, honestly. And so I remember when I interned with Spectrum, you know, I was a young Mexicano from the West Side and you know, my, my mentor, who was technically my boss, was this, this white dude from Dallas. And he and I are friends to this day. Shout out Jeff Platt. Um, but you're in the locker room with the Spurs, and you look around, and the only people that look like you are with Univision or Telemundo. Other than that, you don't see people who look like me who are from similar barrios as me in these spaces. And so I'm looking around like, dang, like, there's not a lot of us. Yeah. And so... Um, that, that was a challenge initially, but I had the right mentors. Vincent Davis, who is the best writer at the Express News, um, he came to my high school at Roosevelt, or where I graduated from, and I was like, who's this guy? And we followed each other on Twitter, and I was like, dude, a verified account follow. This is 2012. <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and he kept up with me. If I ever needed to interview somebody for a project, he was there. If I needed to shadow somebody, he would connect me with a reporter. So he really brought me into those spaces where I was scared to. Like, sometimes our professors would ask us, hey, did you reach out to, to the person you're supposed to shadow? And I would lie. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. I did. I really didn't because I was scared because yeah. I didn't think I was worthy enough 
to shadow these people. And then when you're in these spaces, you're like, they put on the, their pants the same way I do. Like they're yeah. not that much better than me. And so I was just lucky to have those mentors who, who made it easier for me. And because uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, I have a lot of anxiety. I get scared to approach people, right? Crazy to think about. I'm a TV reporter. No, you don't. Yeah. I've, the only, I've the only reason that. why I was able to connect <laughs> with you is because of Roy. Roy told me about your story, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be there for sure. But if someone yeah. would have told me, I'm like, well, it's COVID. Like, I'm not trying to bother that person, you yeah. know? Like, and they're a nurse, too. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they want me breathing their air. And so uh, I just had those mentors who put me in the place. Like, I'll never forget Vincent Davis. I had did a story on these handball courts on the west side. And, well, it was for a blog that I created for myself because I wanted to write more aside from my school newspaper. And one day I get on Facebook, and he shares it. And he's like, you found your voice, young man. Continue Aww. that stride. Man, that that was just like, it gave me like a boost of confidence. Yeah. I got to go to Detroit for this program because uh, of my friend Kelly Acosed. She was in the program the year prior. And essentially, it chose eight journalists from all over the country who are in college. And you basically compete, right? You do a project. Whoever went, you know, has the best project you they give you a prize and the prizes you get to go whatever conference you want to in the country and they'll pay for the whole thing the same way they paid for us to go to detroit mm -hmm. so you had kids from like prestigious journalism schools and once again i was scared i was like oh my gosh luckily michael quintanilla who's one of my dearest friends was one of the mentors that went up there nice he made it a little bit easier for me and then i started to f i feel people out right i'm like okay you kind of read the room yeah you see like how people operate and uh, when it came to interviewing big CEOs for General Motors, because we covered the North American International Auto Show, the biggest auto show in the world, and everybody was scared. I was like, piece of cake. I've interviewed big people in San Antonio. like, And so I initiated the interviews. I ended up having the best project. Nice. And so they paid for me to go to a conference, which I chose the, the Black Journalist Conference in New Orleans, because I love New Orleans. And I wanted to finally feel like a minority, because here... For the majority, we right? are, we you know, are. And so, but it's crazy, right? We get into those spaces. I yeah. mean, you've seen it. I mean, you're a woman and, and a Latina, so it's way worse for you than it is for me because I always tell people at the end of the day, I'm a straight guy. So, what? I, 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 no, I mean, like, <laughs> expand being, on that. Like, being a straight guy, you, you have a lot of privilege. Like, mm. like, I, like, if I were queer, like, I've learned this through Michael Quintanilla. Michael Quintanilla went through hell being mm -hmm. one of the first queer Latino reporters in the country, he went through hell. And this man covered 9-11. He was covering fashion shows all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like, this dude has seen it all done. Everybody knows him as Mr. Fiesta. But I'm like, no, this guy has, is an incredible reporter. And mm -hmm. he's like a walking Rolodex. So if you ever need anybody, just call him up and he'll know who, who, who to connect you with. Yeah. But that's what I say is like privilege, right? So like, uh, I'm a part of SHJ, which gives away scholarships. Mm -hmm. I was a recipient of that scholarship. And... Um, a lot of young reporters come up to me and they ask me for advice and some of them are women and so i always give them advice to like to a certain point i always tell them like hey like if you want like real advice that would help you i'll connect you with a latina that's like doing it sure because at the end of the day i don't have to deal with being harassed mm -hmm. i don't have to deal with any like people um, trying to lowball me when it comes to negotiations mm -hmm. i'm gonna deal with any of that yeah. they do and I can't sit here and give them a blueprint when that blueprint's only meant for people like me, yeah. straight men. Yeah. And so I always connect them with Latinas that are killing it. And so they could give them sound advice. You yeah. know what I mean? 
So I have a really, I mean, I didn't go to school. Yeah. You know that. I'm mm-hmm. not a journalist. And I will tell people, like, I'm not. That's just the name that La Prensa gave me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Okay, let's let's roll with it. Um, but I always tell people, I didn't go to school. I'm not an, a, an official journalist. But in all of the interviews that I've done, in all the spaces that I've been, I've definitely been harassed. Um, I've definitely been lowballed yeah. or talked down to or like, oh, hey. And I'm like, why do you think it's okay to touch me? Yeah, I don't have to like, deal with that Right, stuff. I don't. Right. So it's totally different for women. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair. Um, I'm a little more quick to be like, don't fucking touch me. But then then it's like, well, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you being so... Rude? Yeah, and then or they like, flip the script, right? They flip the script yes. and make it seem like you're the bad person. Yes. Because all you're, all you're doing is reacting the same way a normal person right would. you know whether it's like you're a latina or a black woman they're like oh you're you're just as angry no like you're you're invading yeah. my space yeah you're, you're touching me without my consent right you know and that, so or they're like really surprised that i'm educated yeah. oh like you're not just you're not just this mm-hmm. no but they wouldn't do that to a man Mm-mm. you know what i mean so, okay, so speaking of, I know that you're very, well, not speaking of, change the subject. Yeah. <laughs> you are uh, really heavy on supporting where you came from. 7207 yeah. all the time. Puro hueso, right? Yeah. Have you ever run into somebody that's west side that's like, oh, man, like you're, you're, you're bougie now. Like you're not the same. It's crazy. I, I haven't. And I've been, I, I've, I've been honestly like waiting to, to run into that um, just because like, um, we always run into that, right? Whenever we, we make it out somewhere, people always do the, ¿Quién te crees? Like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. I, I have yet to, so I'm lucky. I, I, like, I'm not going to say like, oh, I got haters. There's people who do like low-key hate on you. But always. for the most part, everywhere I go, people genuinely show me love. And, and it's good because I'm not used to that. Yeah. You know, like people will come up to me, hey, bro, like I love what you do. Like you represent us like you're our, like basically you're our mouthpiece, like you're our megaphone yeah. to amplify us. And, and it makes it makes me happy because like I I think about work 24 seven. I think about mm-hmm. my community because I'm from here. It's very rare where someone gets to report in the city that they're from. And that's something I didn't know. Yeah, but it's true. So we have a lot of out-of-towners yeah. or people that come from out of state mm-hmm. and they're reporting on like fiesta or san antonio history and no offense to them if any of them see this but like you don't know anything and unless you they really don't. like like delve into our community i don't want to hear you talk about my community yeah no for sure and and it's um it's like for me right like i know everything west side but once i'm like in the south side or the east side and even in the north side like i mean i lived all over the city but I mainly grew up on the west side, so I know what it's like to grow up in those circumstances. But I don't know what it's like to grow up in the east side in an area where it's getting gentrified like crazy. Mm. Like, I don't know what that's like because the west side is doing a pretty good job of fighting back, right? You see those, I mean, Barrio No Se Vende signs. You see a lot of gente who own their property who are, you know, they're, they're fighting back. Yeah. And so, like, the east side was kind of caught off guard. And so, I don't know what it's like to have grown up. Like, I have a lot of friends from the east side who are like, Man, like that used to be a basketball court. Now it's a dog park for this bougie high rise. Yeah, and it's like I don't know what that's like. I could go to my hood right now, and the same basketball courts there, the same handball courts are there, the the same taquerias are there. Yeah, and so like for me, it's about like okay, let me let me take advantage of these resources that I have that are my friends, mm-hmm. that are sources, and let them school me. So that way, you know, I'm not like talking like someone who acts like they know what they're talking about yeah. like if i don't know something i'm legit gonna ask i'm not those prideful dudes who are like if i'm at a, a target 
hey, what aisle is this in? I'm not going to spend 30 minutes trying to find it because no. I'm all terco. <laughs> Hell no, man. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I'm about my time. And so, yeah. you know, there, there's some people who are like, well, why are you asking? I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and walk around like blindly. Like, yeah. I'm going to ask them. If if I know someone has the wisdom or the knowledge, I'm going to ask them, you know. And, why not? Yeah. Yeah, why not? You know, and a lot of people love to share wisdom, you know. And, um, and I, I've been fortunate to have those mentors in my life who are like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, I can connect you with so-and-so. Yeah. Like, I don't have um, many people who are, like, stingy, I guess. Like, people gatekeepers? Like gatekeepers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, I, I, mean, I, I see gatekeepers, but um, fortunately for me, like, a lot of people do genuinely care about me. And so I look out with that because I do have that fear of asking, right? And I talked about it with my, uh, my best friend, Albert, coincidentally, also Albert Gonzalez, yes. <laughs> like your husband. Yeah. <laughs> um, Albert, I could told Albert, I was like, dude, I get scared to call people. I feel like I'm interrupting your day, which I am. I feel like I'm a nuisance. And especially after going through Uvalde, right? Like, we're slowly building these relationships with families. And if I were in their position, I would not talk to a reporter. I'm like, I'm trying to grieve my kid's death or my yeah. mom's death. Like, yeah. the last thing I want to think about is talking to a reporter. Yeah. And so um, my best friend Albert's like, hey, bro, like, sometimes I know you feel like people, like, you feel like you're a burden when people call you. He's like, you got to understand that a lot of people look forward to your phone call. Mm -hmm. And once he said that, it kind of changed the way I thought about myself because I call people and they're like, hey, what's up, man? Like, what's, yeah. what's going on? And I'm like, oh, my God. Thank well, because you build relationships with people. You're yeah. not like, oh, you're just a story. Yes. Because people are more than just their story. Yes. So speaking of stories. Yeah. What was one of the hardest stories you've ever did? You've ever done. Sorry. And then what was one of the best stories? Um, I guess one of the hardest there's like three. There's um, Rena Castro, um, who started a nonprofit for her daughter who was killed um, due to teen dating violence. I met her. Yeah, I Re talked to her. Yeah, she, sad story. Yeah, um, she, actually, um, when is this gonna come out? Uh, in a minute. Oh, anniversary time maybe. No, okay. before then, because I then? know when it was. Okay, because um, May twenty seventh, the the five annual five k to raise awareness on teen dating violence is happening. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually gonna be a moderator for that. Me and Amanda Henderson, uh, we're gonna be the MCs. Rena asked me, and I was like, "Well, it's an honor." Like, yeah. you know, like she, she's like family to me now. But so her daughter was killed by her boyfriend mm -hmm. that night of her birthday, going yep. into the following day. And um, so Rena decided to start a nonprofit and go to high schools, middle schools, and talk to kids about yep. this issue that is it's a, a legit issue. Because I mean, first of all, domestic violence is a big issue in this city. Yep. And, you know, um, what we don't really recognize is like, oh, like it can't happen to kids. It can happen to kids. And it could happen to kids from it doesn't like it. Like domestic violence doesn't discriminate. You don't have to be poor to go through nope. it. Like you could be from yeah. a very affluent family and you'll go through it. And yeah. so I that actually, one was hard. Yeah, I had a full conversation with her yeah. um, and not to like interrupt. But yeah, no, you're good. I was actually focusing on doing um, implementing or creating a program mm -hmm. about teen dating violence in a local nonprofit. Yeah. And I talked to her, and she was like, I back you 100%. She yeah. told me the whole story, um, and it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and I was told no by my faculty oh. because they said there wasn't enough data to support that it was a need. And so, yeah, that was that pissed me off. But anyway, yeah, moving that's, on. No, that's terrible. Yeah. No, it's terrible. Yeah. And, it, and it's crazy, right? Like, people, you have to wait for, like, a lot of bad things right you have to be reactive instead of proactive correct like in, in your in your in your situation that's being proactive like we're recognizing this yep. issue like how many more people have to die or how many more people have to like you know 
um, go through abuse mm-hmm. for us to be like, oh, this is an issue. Like, yeah. we shouldn't have to wait. Yep. You know, because it could happen to anybody. And so that story was difficult, but I've done it every year. And she always tells me the first year she distributed the scholarship, I was the only reporter she called to do the story. And she's like, I, I know that you'll do a good job of, of being respectful. Yeah. And to me, that like that meant the world because I'm like, wow, like people are recognizing like my heart because I have a big heart when it comes to, like you said earlier, like they're more than just a story. Mm-hmm. I'll go to a story and you'll see all these news stations, right? Within like 30 minutes, they're out of there. Yeah. Right. They don't care. And it's and and part of it's not the reporter's fault. It's the the, the higher ups who are like, hey, we need this by 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. For me, I tell them like, hey, like I'm gonna spend some more time with you. I want to flesh this out. I want this to be a good story instead of a. Uh, a minute and a half slot mm-hmm. on the five o'clock news. Mm-hmm. Like I want this to stand the test of time, and so um, I stress out about it sometimes because I'm like, oh man, I could have done a better job on that story. But people recognize it. A lot of people have told me like, you you have a big heart. And uh, another difficult story that I did was on Eva Mireles, who was one of the teachers killed in Uvalde, mm-hmm. and um, she was a hero. She shielded her kids, you know, and absorbed those bullets. She did what she could. And um, I was there when they were painting her mural, and her whole family was there. Beautiful. Ugh. The Mireles family, they're just good people, all yeah. of them, her sisters. And so um, my, my homegirl, uh, Monica, who runs a nonprofit in Austin called Mascotura, she teamed up with my buddy Abel, Abel Ortiz, who is an art professor in Uvalde. Mm-hmm. Um, they teamed up, and they did the 21 murals. And so when I got there, she told the family, she's like, hey, like if any reporters come up to you, like I'll I'll shoot them away, and then she told him she's like she's like Jose like he's good people like he's not gonna like hound y'all yeah. about anything. Literally, I spent five hours with him before I even asked a question on camera. You know, I spent time with them. I, I was like they were playing all the bangers, man. They were playing the jams, and we were dancing, and like they were like, "Who's this guy? Like this, he's a reporter. He's all dancing to Tejano." Yeah. And um, and there was a moment, and it, and it. Oh man, I remember when I was editing this, like I was crying like a baby. There's a part where um, a Marco Antonio Solis song comes on, and Adeline, who is Eva's daughter, Ruben's her husband, mm-hmm. they stood in front of the mural as it was they were finishing it up. This Marco Antonio Solis song started playing, and um, it was weird timing. I was just I had the camera on them, and I was just rolling. And the song it says. Um, no hay nada más difícil que vivir sin ti. So, like, there's nothing more difficult than to live without you. Mm. The timing of it just gives me goosebumps. Like, it, it was crazy, and I captured it, and I was just crying. And then, you know, I finally approached Adeline, interviewed her, and she told me this. her mom loves to do karaoke. Y'all know I love to do karaoke. Yes. <laughs> um, her mom loved to sing Diamonds by Rihanna. And um, she said, she even said, too, she's like, my mom's not the great singer. She's like, but she would, you give her the mic, and you ain't getting it back. Yeah. And, um just hearing those beautiful stories about her, that was difficult. And the other day, I just spent time with Eva's baby sister, uh, Maggie, um, who lives here in San Antonio, and interviewing Maggie. Like, we talked for, like, a good 35 minutes. I interviewed for 35 minutes, and we just talked. Yeah. And afterwards, and she's like, man, like, you made me feel so comfortable. Yeah. And I held it in, and then once I left, that's when I started crying, because I was like, man, like, I know that comes from my mom. Because my mom was one who's like, I want to make, no matter who's in the room, like, I want everyone to have a good time. Yeah. I want everyone to feel good. Yep. I don't want, like, if there's, like, pendejadas, people are beefing, like, nah, like, yeah. leave that at the door. Yes. Like, when you're in here, we're having a good time. And so, 
her telling me that was just like it was beautiful because I shared a lot of stories about my 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 mom and with Maggie because I've grown close with that family like so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Brett Cross, who's one of the most outspoken parents, his son was Usaya Garcia. Um, so it's it's those have been like the most difficult as of as of recently. Um, but yeah, it's um. Luckily, I don't do that many stories like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Uvalde's a, it's it's a unique uh, situation where, because my job is I don't cover fires or shootings, mm-hmm. but I mean this is historic. Oh yeah. It's it's um, very horrific. It's something that you have to cover. Like you can't ignore it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I would say those two off the top of my head were the most difficult as of lately. What about the best? The best. Um, Aside from me, just kidding. <laughs> that one was crazy. That was like back to back to back. Uh, it's like, all right, you're leaving. You, you know, you're in the middle of it. And I'm, you did a good job of my bosses too. I remember when um, I had did it, they were like, man, like they did a good job. And I think it helped because you have very glossy eyes. I don't know if you know that. But like you have very glossy eyes. I don't know that. <laughs> so it looks like you're always wanting, like sometimes it looks like you want to cry, even though uh, it doesn't look like it. Maybe I do. <laughs> But like when you were talking into the into your phone and you were like, all right, six a.m. You know, I just washed my clothes and now I'm on the bus. Yeah, it's like fuck. Like that's a reality for people on the front lines in the epicenter. Yeah, like New York City. For people that don't know, um, Jose actually covered my story. So I went to New York um, at the height of COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a nurse, and so I couldn't sit there and just be complacent. And not and no no offense to anybody that stayed here. Um, you guys did what you needed to do. I just felt like I needed to go and so what was supposed to be 21 days turned into three months and so Jose was like hey he came over and so I never met him before he's like can I come over and I was like yeah I guess and then I got I got you at the airport too that morning yes so I I got you and Albert kissing definitely crying at the airport and then um we reconnected to do the story when you're still in New York and third time Albert's like hey like we're gonna surprise the kids yeah and so that was another good one that that I captured it was like a trilogy that I did and um I remember too. I was off because it was Easter weekend, and my my boss was because at that time I was still barely new at Spectrum, and I was doing stories left and right. And they're like, "Hey, like, take some time off, bro. Like, yeah, like you don't have to like." Do, but I'm like, "There's so much going on in my city. Like, I have to." Yeah. And when I go on vacation, I feel guilty, right? Like, there's stuff going on, mm-hmm. and I know I can't do anything. I'm like, oh, "You gotta." So I've been good about not working on my vacation. Yeah. My but dad. it was it was Easter day. Yeah, it was <laughs> Easter day. Because I I remember them talking to me and they said, "Can you come Sunday um or Monday?" And Sunday was Easter and I said, "Can I come Monday because I don't know if I'm going to come back." Mm-hmm. So I want to have potentially my last Easter with my kids. Dude, that's scary, man. And they said, "Yeah, of course, but be here Monday before 10 p.m." And yeah. then you came over. Yeah, that was Mm-hmm. Everyone did the the, the the drive drive-by parade. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. But I mean, that, that was a great story. That was a great trilogy, uh, honestly. And um, it was cool that like y'all y'all were so comfortable letting me do that because I was like, man, because I, I know nurse stories was something that nobody could really get access to. Yeah, because like I remember I did one on the COVID floor of university. That one was scary because I was like in this whole suit. Yep, bunny like, suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was that was scary. Yeah, and I came in contact with someone who had COVID after that shoot, and uh-huh. that that was scary because I'm like, oh my, what am I gonna do? <laughs> uh, luckily, Spectrum News had uh, we had like 120 of of COVID time. Yeah, separate from sick time, separate from vacation, so that was good to to know. But I mean, I would think best the one I do every year is on Dorothy Mundane. She's this 90 year old black woman. I love her. Who lives on MLK and. 
I met her in 2018, and she drew me in with her charm because <laughs> she was singing, and I was like, who's this old lady? And I came up to her, and she made me Anchi Flalo, right? So I'm interviewing her, and then somebody had came up to her, and I was still a writer at the time, and they're like, I saw you on TV, and I was like, man, you're famous. And then she's all, and look at your dimple. And I was like, oh, I only got <laughs> one, one dimple. dimple. I got it from my mom. <laughs> and so she invited yeah. me inside. I was like, I don't want to intrude. And she's just like a walking Bible. And she's like, Jesus fed a thousand people with a loaf of bread and, and, and fish or whatever, something like that, right? And it's like, all right. So she invited me. I had some sandwiches, the way, they, 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 the way she says it, sandwiches, mm-hmm. vegetable soup, and some cookies and like, you look at her wall, like, it's nothing but family photos. Like, typical, like, abuelita. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, 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 you know, it's grandma. And so that was cool. So I do a story with her almost every year. Uh, I love doing that story with her. Um, I don't know. There's so many that I just, that I love. Because I literally put everything into them. You like, do. I've seen it. I've seen like you work. everything. And it's just yeah. like, like, people don't see that. But the people that I do interview, they, they see it. Yeah. And that's all that matters. Like, I don't care if a million people don't see it. As long as the people I interview see it, I'm good. Yeah. So I know we touched on it a little bit, but uh-huh. I'm all about keeping shit real, right? And mm-hmm. like the good, the bad, the ugly. So we know some of the good. Like, what's what's like the ugly shit of journalism? Um, I think going back to people not being respectful. I remember I went to a, a protest and um, it was about a 13-year-old boy that was killed. And um, there's this one report. I'm not going to name them. But... I mean, you could. Nah, nah, I'm not. <laughs> but they were so adamant about interviewing the family. When the family said from the get-go, we're not going to do any media after after this rally. Sure. You know, they're grieving families. And so that reporter was felt so entitled. And I think that's the ugly of journalism, right? People feel entitled. And I think it goes back to like people not that, that look like us, that we're not in these spaces... Because usually when you're in journalism, you have to pay your dues a lot. Like, mm-hmm. you got to struggle. Luckily, I didn't have to, right? My first TV job was a statewide network. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to go to, like, technically the path to this this job that I have, I have to go to a rink-a-dink market, pay my dues there, yeah. go to, like, a small town. I didn't have to do that. I, I'd put in all the work here in San Antonio that, that was more than enough for people to be like, all right, we'll take a chance on this guy. Yeah. Which, it was a big gamble. I had no TV experience. And they thought I was worthy enough to to kind of build this formula around me. And um, so that's been really neat. And so... Can you say where you work or do you not want to? I work at Spectrum News 1. I, we didn't say it? Mm-mm. Yeah, I work at Spectrum News 1. We're a statewide TV network. Um, so people in Austin, Dallas, Laredo, the Rio Grande Valley, El Paso, they see me on TV every day. Um, so that's really neat. So when I do stories in that metal vessel, when I do those stories on the true history of Fiesta, when I do the stories on... You know, the housing crisis in San Antonio, everybody all over the state gets to see them. Mm-hmm. And it's a hyper-local story, right? It's not like, oh, Joe Schmo from, you know, from Dallas came down to San Antonio and interviewed some people. It's like, no, I know people who are going through it. Yeah. I interviewed a lady who was dis- displaced in Del Rio from San Antonio, you know, just because um, she was living in a very ugly apartment complex. Yeah. And so I think the ugly is the entitlement, right? You have a lot of people who are who mean well, right? But they, they come from privilege. Because in order to make it here, like like I said, going back to the struggle, I did a free, in, like Spectrum now has a paid internship, but back then it wasn't. So I would give up my serving shifts at Alamo Draft House. Shifts that paid for my, my car note, my, my rent, all that. Mm-hmm. 
And there was times where I'm like, dang, we're going to have to stretch these dollars, you know, these next couple of weeks because we missed out on a serving shift on the weekend because I was covering the Spurs for Spectrum as an intern. Yeah. So those sacrifices, if I came from a privileged background, I wouldn't have to worry about stressing out about that. Yeah. And so you see a lot of more white folks in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. And, and no offense to them, but they mean well sometimes. But at the end of the day, like their path to that job was a lot easier than my path, than the path of a lot of my Latina colleagues who mm. had to struggle. Mm. And so for me, it's it's like, it sucks, right? Because you see these people and they're like, I don't know why they didn't want to talk to me. I'm like, well, you all you do is helicopter. We call it helicopter journalism, where people helicopter in, they interview folks and they, they bounce. For me, like, I'll interview you and I'll be like, hey, like, let's meet on another day. And they're like, what, really? I was like, yeah, like, I want to tell your story. Yeah. Like, I can't tell it off of a quick interview True. today at a press conference. Like, no, like, Let's go to, um, like, for instance, the housing crisis, right? There was um, a lot of tenants at this one apartment complex near the medical center called Seven Oaks. I did about four or five stories on that because those people were living in just poor conditions. Mm -hmm. So I followed them from June of last year to now. Now that we have a a tenant's bill of rights, now we have a, um, a program that basically will find apartment or property owners who don't take care of their tenants yeah it's because these people fought for so long but along the way a lot of people you know they they became some became homeless yeah, you know and it sucks it's, it sucks but um yeah like entitlement in journalism it, it, it pisses me off so much because do you think that there's like racism or sexism in journalism still oh yeah for sure mm-hmm. um i hear stories all the time from a lot of women and we we you know those women we keep it between us like unless it shouldn't be that way though yeah i don't mean to cut you off but yeah, fuck yeah. that yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't like i was talking with a good friend of mine and she was telling me you know like she gets harassed by pios what's a PIO? Like, pio is basically a, a pr person for an entity that's disgusting and it's like wait what and, and it gets me mad but like at the end of the day it's their story to tell whenever they're ready you know i'll, I'll support them but isn't it sad that as journalists people who tell stories are unable to tell their story of their mm. struggle oh the irony in that you know damn i like the way you, you recognize that I, I never really thought about that it's true though it is it's true sad because then all the work that they've done they could be gaslit out of their job mm-hmm. you know what i mean because you have somebody that's pr hr whatever and, yeah. oh i never did that yeah and then they push them out yeah. And so now these women or men have to start over. Yeah. And that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm lucky I'm I'm at a really great place that takes care of me. Like I remember when my uncle had died, I told I told my bosses straight up, I'm taking time off whether y'all like it or not. Yeah. You know, and for me to request time off like almost immediately, they knew something was up and I was like this and I told them in and I texted my all my bosses, I was like, Hey, like, this guy was like my father. Yeah. And he's the reason why I'm a reporter. He's the reason why I'm here with y'all. You know, and they were like, take as much time as you need. They sent me a whole, a whole like flower thing to me. And it was super sweet because they showed me how much they, they, they care for me. I always go back to this, my, my boss, my director, she, um, I was hired a week before she did. So the people in LA Spectrum News hired me. And so she got hired a week later. So I always jokingly tell her I have seniority over you. <laughs> And, um, but I'll never forget, it was like month four and I'm killing it, right? I'm, whatever expectations they had for me, I shattered them. And I, I even impressed myself because I was, I was scared. Mm-hmm. I, like I got the job, right? I'm like, oh yeah. And then I p- kept pushing off 
going live, right, on TV, my boss would be like, are you ready? It was Kiki. Shout out Kiki Jones. One of the, <laughs> now she, she runs the producers, but when she was running the reporters, she said, we're going to have you go live for your Kobe story. It was when Kobe died. Mm. And um, I'll never forget what I said. And I'm glad it was that story because I, like, I hated Kobe for so long, but once I got to like high school, I admired how great he was at what yeah. he did. And um, I still remember what I said. My first live segment was with my coworker, Brian Bose. He he um, he filmed it because I wanted him there. I was like, I really like him. He's a really cool coworker. I don't want like a random photographer with me. I want him. Mm-hmm. And so um, we did it in front of the Kobe mural that Maximo did at the Winget in Universal City. Mm-hmm. And so sure, I had said, um, the Black Mamba has broke the hearts of Spurs fans in 2001, 2002, 2004, 2008, the years he eliminated the Spurs, right? Right. I was like, and after last week's helicopter cla- crash, the Black Mamba broke the hearts of Spurs fans one last time. That's oh. exactly what I said. And it was just like, bam. And Mic I was joke. like, it was like a home run intro. Yeah. Like you felt it. Yeah. Everybody watching. I just felt it. Yeah. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> and so after I got that out the way, I was like, oh man, I feel good. But I'll never forget my director telling me back in, it was March of 2020, she called me randomly, and I'm like, why is the boss calling me? Like, like yeah. this is like half fun who runs everything. Oh, what'd I do? <laughs> no, I didn't think that. I was like, I wonder what she wants me to do or yeah. whatever. And she's like, hey, she asked me, do you think we do a good job of covering, you know, the neighborhood you grew up in? Mm. And it was a genuine question. Yeah. She's like, be honest with me. And I told her, I was like, honestly, I'm just so busy. I don't pay attention to what my coworkers are doing. Yeah. But from what I have saw, probably not. Yeah. She's like, okay, we can do a better job of that. And she told me, too, and she's like, hey, if anyone ever tries to take your voice away from you, I'll fire them. Oh. She's like, I want you to be you. She's like, I want you to be you. Yeah. And that woman, Larissa Cartwright, I'll say her name. I love that woman. I mean, I love her, too. She's had my back since day one. Yeah. And once you see, like, the La Jefa, who runs everything, have your back like that, it makes my job easier to where I I know, like. You have the backing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um. So that, that's been great. Like, I, I can be myself on TV. I knew I could get away with anything when I said, eh, on TV. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was like, what? How did they let me get away with this? Is that bad, though? No, it's not. It, w- it, was, it was funny because my coworker, Alex, had asked me, she's like, what's your favorite paleta? And I was like, well, I don't eat paletas, but I, like, I go for chocolate. I'm basic. I'm not one of those, I want chamoy. Eh, kind of people uh-huh. and it was just funny it was genuine it wasn't forced because yeah. i see a lot of people try to replicate what i do Ugh. at their reflect like, at their respective stations yeah. and um it's kind of embarrassing because i'm like yo like just be yourself what is that um imitation is the biggest form of flattery oh yeah yeah, yeah. like i i, I you don't, can't do it like you can't do it like like I, us no, <laughs> no yeah I, I just i i do it naturally i don't i'm not trying to be a um like oh look at me i'm i'm this i'm that and no like it's it's literally me he's just your theo's favorite reporter yeah, i'm just your theo's favorite reporter That's and it. it was funny <laughs> you know where that stems from yes from roy yeah, yeah my interview with roy and um i made it up on the spot and i ran with it and people love it every time i go somewhere people are like oh hide your theo's <laughs> oh my god i do hide my theo <laughs> You're funny, dude. <laughs> okay, so um, we'll wrap up a little bit or start to wrap up, but tell the people something about you that, that like, I don't know, maybe a little, like, a little uh, risque for a journalist uh, or something interesting. I'm a big art collector. I love art. I've been supporting the art since I was a broke college kid. Um, I love live music. I've gone into this, um, how do you say it? 
like recently, I would say the last two or three years, I've really connected with my Chicano roots, right? Mm. Like I've always been proud of who I am and where I'm from, but I've gone deeper than that, right? And so I've been doing a lot of stories that revolve around Chicano culture, and I'm actually going to host an event September 16th in Peacock Alley. I got a grant from Centro to host an event, and it's going to be about Chicano culture, right? So I'm going to have a panel in there. It's going to be about 30 to 35 minutes, nothing long, nothing that's going to drag. And so I'm going to have different generations of people sharing their stories about being Chicano, Chicana, however you identify, right? Mexican-American, Tejano, Tejana. And all of us sharing our stories, but all of them being valid, right? Just because someone has their version of Chicano of growing up in the 60s is different than mine growing up in the, what, early 2000s? Doesn't mean... (laughs) doesn't mean that that I'm right and they're wrong or they're right and I'm correct. wrong. They're all correct. Yeah. Because it's our experiences, yeah. right? And and so what's neat about that is all of the proceeds to this event, because I'm also going to blow up my photography on metal prints that I haven't what? shared with the world. Yeah. And so um, all the proceeds to this event are going to go to Sananto Culture Arts, who is the nonprofit um, art organization that's been in the West Side for almost 30 years now. And they've done... 60 plus murals in this city they brought muralism to san antonio and when you look at their murals they tell you who you are yeah they have the chicano walkouts on there um i took my graduation photos on the first ever mural done by manny and cruz ortiz called educacion um and i did that for a reason because every time i would drive on guadalupe i would see that mural as a kid i'm like man like i'd love to take graduation photos in front of there yeah and so um all the proceeds will go to saca san Antonio cultural arts they do great work there They've been doing great work for 30 years, um, and um, I just want, like, everyone to be there, have a good time, and I have a lot of people, a lot of, like, chingon artists donating art to yes. raffle off, and it's, it's like, oh, that's great, like, cool. Yeah. I have a lot of people backing it, so if you're not doing anything on 16 de septiembre, um, September 16th, I'll be hosting that, because I'm a big lover of the arts, but I'm also a big lover of, of organizations and programs that can keep kids busy keep kids out of trouble yeah because i was lucky enough to have mentors who kept me out of trouble put a basketball in my hands not the greatest basketball player ever yeah Uh. (laughs) i'm not one of those fools that are like oh yeah hoop dreams like nah i don't i just play basketball because it it was uh it's what kept me sane honestly when my mom died it um one of my it was weird the other day i was um posted a there's a youtube link it's a video on Rajon Rondo, who's one of my favorite basketball players. Played for the Celtics, won a championship, won a championship with the Lakers a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, I used to watch his YouTube highlights. And I remember I would watch them all the time. And this happened like a month before my mom died. And I just remember I had wrote something on my shoes that revolved around him when my mom died. Or when she was about to die, because we ended up pulling the plug, right? Because she told us, from every a vegetable... Pull the plug, dog, because I ain't trying to... Same, yeah. You know, and so... um, But it was just weird because, you know, basketball kept me out of trouble, even though I wasn't the greatest. When I got to Lee, actually, real quickly, I got cut from the team there. The coach didn't even know I tried out when I did try out. And I was better than all those dudes there, and it really broke my heart because I'm like, man, this is the only thing that's, like, keeping me sane. Yeah. So that love shift to music, and so I would listen to music all the time and, and just write out how I felt. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's been a crazy ride. But yeah, I love art. I love culture. I love film. I love horror, just like you do. I do. The Last Scream. Did you, did you like it? I haven't seen it yet. 
What? I know. Look, I've been waiting for my friend. And then, like, just shit just I'll kept happening. I'll watch it with you. Let's watch it right now. Like, Actually, we're cutting the interview. We're going to go see screen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, Is I it good? It's really good. I got my girl's Jenna, right? And then Demi's in it. She's Demi. supposed to be in it. Demi who? Lovato. I don't remember or her. Like being a cameo? In it. I don't know. I just know those two Mexican girls are in it. Two Mexican girls. The one, there. there's one, the, the older sister. Uh huh. The one who's Billy's daughter, I guess. Right? Uh huh. She is gorgeous. Okay, moving on. But, <laughs> but she was a badass in that film, like. Like if if I'm in like a, in a in a horror scenario, don't I, ruin it. I want her to have my back. Okay. Because I know like she'll get shit done. I'm like. I got your back. I'm a badass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen you love I horror. You. Yes. I know you love horror. Yes. Um, I know so. how to not die. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're gonna be like, oh, creepy house. We'll go the yeah. other way. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. No, <laughs> We're not gonna be like Scooby Doo. Let's go investigate, yeah. <laughs> gang. Like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so how do people find you? Uh, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook for all the tias the book of faces. Who, who go on live on Facebook and nobody's watching on Moco Space. Moco Space. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, sports guy Jose. Um, very, very simple. It's been my handle since like 2015. Now you can't change I, it because you're verified. I know, <laughs> dude. Like, if hey, if you're paying for a verification, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> relax. Like, calm down. I earned my verification, no and way. y'all are just paying for it out here. You knew somebody. That's why. There's a lot of people paying for it. I'm like, oh my god, and they're like, they're like, oh, I got verified. Let's celebrate. I'm like, calmate, way. But um, yeah, um, you can find me on the west side. You can find me anywhere in San Antonio, honestly. Um, but uh, approach me. I'm very approachable. Just know that I'm more scared to approach you than you are to approach me. And he talks a lot. So once you approach him, like you're good. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk your ear off. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> nobody listens. My job is to listen to other people, so it's very rare, and I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah. I thought I was going to cry. Did you? Yeah. You cause... should cry. It makes yeah. for good ratings. Oh, my God. Can you cry? <laughs> when I was a boy, my dad said we were going to play catch. Oh, shit. And we didn't play catch. Yeah. True. <gasps> okay, random but true story. My dad told me he was going to go buy me a puzzle for us to do together, and he never came back. Damn, that's worse than the milk store. Yeah. Like, dang. <laughs> On that note. At least you know like milk can like expire. <laughs> Puzzles don't expire. It's true. Damn, that's got Still you. waiting for that puzzle, dude. Damn. Right? Sad. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. So people know where to find you. Hit yeah. him up. Slide in his DMs. Not like that or maybe like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the tias do, yeah. though. Oh, <laughs> they God. really, oh, my God. Sorry if my tias slid in your DMs. <laughs> Uh, she actually called me during this. Um, but thank you so much for being one of my guests on my podcast. No, thank you. I've been wanting to be interviewed by you for the longest time. And I'm Aww. sorry to make this drag a little bit longer. But because when we did our interview on your um, anniversary back in tw- November 2020, was it November, December? Uh, no, it was around your birthday. Oh, well, yeah. It was like short. That form. was a short. And I'm like, when's Natasha going to do an in-depth? I've been seeing her interview all these people. No, hombre. Except this for is her the homeboy. Most in-depth. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad we did this. Like, yeah. I'm, I've been looking forward to this. I've just been looking forward to talk to somebody. Um, not that I don't have anybody to talk to, but just on a platform because I feel like people don't. People think I'm happy all the time, and we have our moments, right? We're human. We have feelings. Yeah. We feel sad, and so glad I was able to talk about personal stuff that people may not know about me. Yeah, that's you know? all point. Yeah, so yeah. thank you so much. This is great. Yeah, You're course. fucking killing it, girl. Thank you, thank how you. How the fuck do you have time to do all these things? <laughs> like, literally, I don't know how you have time to do all these things, but you need to give me the formula because 
Yeah. Bruh. I have a couple of clones in the closet. Dang, that's yeah. I knew it. Yeah. I knew I saw that's Natasha Norteño two ten clone at Market yeah. Square. <laughs> no, I was there. <laughs> I do the fun stuff. They do the boring stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And guys, again, shout out to Vodpog Media for housing, producing, uh, not editing because I don't edit none of this. You get what you get. It's raw, baby. Um, and, and to Latina Podcast Network, thank you for housing my platform and for having me be a part of your podcast network. Um, and thank you guys. So I'll see you on the next one. All right. Bye.